Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Selling a little? Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Very good afternoon to you and welcome to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Once again, it's the former England fast bowler Steve Harmison and myself, Andrew McKenna, in the chairs with you to take you through all the drama and excitement of the second test between England and the West Indies and look ahead to Friday's decider. Over the next hour, we'll be hearing from Joe Root, Ben Stokes, Stuart Broad and Shea Hope. Plus, Barry Wilkinson will be joining us from the Caribbean. All coming up over the next hour here on TalkSport 2. And as I mentioned, delighted to say the former England fast bowler Steve Harmison is m- with myself, Andrew McKenna, once again. Harmy, afternoon to you, mate. And this second test was good. Last week we said the first test was good. This one just showed why test cricket's so great. You can lose 20% of a match due to weather and you still get a game that's as good as that. Absolutely, Mac. Yeah, good afternoon, Mac. Good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, it's, it was a fascinating test match. Um, yeah, England did what we asked them to do after the first test match, which was to bat better. A uh, 400 run plus score in the first innings. Um, a lot of you say you lost a bit of time. And then probably tea, well, just before tea time on day four, I think Jason Holder had one hand on the Wisdom Trophy. I think it was, it was going back to the Caribbean. Bear in mind, they only needed to draw. England needed 17 wickets with England having to bat again after just avoiding the follow-on. And then all of a sudden, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel from the first test, Mr. Invincible, they're calling him now. Ben Stokes turned up and produced what was a fantastic performance. Uh, it has to be said, bat first innings, um, a little bit with the ball, and then the dynamic, the way he plays, he's, he's just understands the game situation to set England up to give them a chance, the best chance possible to, uh, to, to to beat the West Indies at the end of day five and keep the Wisdom Trophy alive. And I can't wait for Friday. I can't wait to see the England team. Um, <laughs> and also I can't wait to see you know, what's, what's going to happen in the outcome because so far, I think both sets of players not only do deserve, deserve credit for the way they've performed and how they've handled this um, unique situation, um, but they've also produced some fantastic cricket as well. We're going to come on to Mr. Incredible in a minute, but <laughs> um, the batting. Uh, and we've got to mention Dom Sibley. England have been crying out for someone to play that innings so that the others could play around them. And boy, did they. I mean, by the way, there can't be many openers who get 100 in the first innings and don't even get a knock in the second <laughs> innings. But that's completely by the by. Dom Sibley, that is what Chris Silverwood has been talking about, hasn't it? Absolutely, it's it's what you, what England need. They need somebody to bat for a long period of time, and there was a lot of talk. I thought I thought wrongly. I thought it was it was very disrespectful to Dom Sibley when people were having a go at how slow he bat. He got 120 off about 300 300 and whatever balls. Um, but this guy is still learning the game of cricket. I remember Alistair Cook coming into the game, and he reminds me a little bit of Alistair. And if he can have half the career 
um, as Sir Alistair Cook and be half the person that Sir Alistair Cook is, having spent a bit of time, me and you, Macker, in the West Indies, mm. what, the, what the guy's like, then I think England have got have found a, a gem there. I think this kid has has now got his second century. And what I mean by the second century, it's a it's a huge thing for a batsman, especially the top order batsman. We've seen so many people go out to bat with Alistair Cook so many times. And I think 13 or 14 opening partners since Andrew Strauss haven't been able to get that second century. They've got the first one, but they've struggled to get the second one. They've got 40 to 60, then got out, few times pressure come on them new ball in England Duke ball all the pressure that comes so I think Sibley getting this second century will just release the shackles a little bit it will give him a chance to educate himself in the test match arena and find a way of scoring under less pressure and I think that is what this second century has done for Dob Sibley and it's brilliant for the England cricket team and the other thing it did was the West Indian bowling attack. All of a sudden, when you're asking Shannon Gabriel to come back a second, third and fourth time, and the others as well, it looked different. And, and you know that, being a fast bowler, you're having to come back and do it. It's just putting miles into the legs. So, Dom Sibley, thank you very much. That was exactly what was required and absolutely perfect to set up England. But we've been on air five minutes now here on uh, TalkSport 2 on the Cricket Collective. And, well, we've touched on him, but we now need to talk about Mr. Incredible, as Ben Stokes just does it again. I have never seen anything like this. Nobody has ever seen anything like this. The way that he plays the game, the way that he delivers the... Knockout blows to opposition. I think that uh, he's right up there. And it's hit away for more! England have won this match and they've been dragged there by Ben Stokes. Probably the most magical test innings in history uh, for him to play like that. The way he goes about his cricket, but great respect for him. He's a tough competitor, um, wants to be in the, the pressure moments, thrives under pressure, obviously, as we've seen. Stokes in a game. It's been taken, Stokes has done it again! Just when England needed a hero, they found one! A ridiculous talent, and it, it was a pleasure to be here as Ben Stokes knocked over those last three. He's got the aura, and, he, and he's got something about him, and, and when he's got the ball in hand, the opposition players know that they're up in a battle. Here is Patterson again, balls to Stokes, who drives square of the wicket on the offside to the sweeper on the cover boundary. For a single that takes him from 99 to 100. Phenomenal. I don't think I've ever seen it of anyone watching an all-round cricket. And I, and I include Sir Gary and I, I include Beefy. He was absolutely incredible as well. In, in two very different ways with the bat in this game. Uh, the longest innings in terms of ball's face that he's had in the first innings. And then the fastest 50 in Test cricket by an England opener in the second. Now, obviously, the situation was slightly different. But all of that means he is now, according to the new ICC rankings today, the number one all-rounder in the world. He overtakes Jason Holder. But I think more impressively, he's now the number three ranked batsman in the world. As you might imagine, Joe Root is just, well, more than a little impressed. It'd be very easy for us to not appreciate how good a performance this was this week because of the lack of atmosphere within the ground. But I don't think that's the case. I think everyone understands that we are watching, at the moment, a player at the peak of his powers, at the peak of world cricket, delivering time and time again. And we have to savour that. We have to appreciate that and understand that without trying to pump his tyres too much in the presence of greatness. Mr. Incredible, I suppose. I can't really think of a, a better one. He probably looks a bit like him as well, that cartoon character that knocks around. He's similar sort of shape, probably a little bit skinnier than him now, uh, but he probably end up looking like that. So, Mr. Incredible. <laughs> it's a wonderful description from Joe Root. Now, Steve Harmison, you said on The Breakfast Show on TalkSport, you reckon that Ben Stokes can be England's greatest ever all-rounder. What is it about him that makes you so sure of that? I think, forget the greatest all-rounder, I think he could be end up being England's greatest ever player. Um, simple wow. as Simple as that. What he brings to the team, and I think, uh, uh, Mackie, you go through life and you see people educated and they get more experience and they get better and there's that light-on moment where 
all of a sudden you think that they're there and it's the the, the, the career is going to pass out in a in a in a straightforward way. Now Ben's not like that. He hasn't been like that throughout his career, and I don't think he will be like that for for the rest of his career because the one thing I think Ben Stokes has got better above anything else, and this is about batting, about bowling, and about fielding. I think Ben Stokes' game management is why he is the best all-rounder in the world at this moment in time and the number three batsman. And what I mean by that there is, you've just mentioned, he has had the first innings being the slowest 50, 100, probably 150 that he'll ever he'll ever have because the game situation needed that. It was quite tough. A lot of overhead conditions. West Indies put the ball in the right area. Second new ball came around. He batted brilliantly. And then to flip that over and get the fastest 50 of his time, understanding England needed to get the second new ball to give Joe Root the chance to bowl um, the West Indies out again after 80 overs and six, five overs that he got. Nobody else could do that other than Ben Stokes. He was helped by a drop catch by Campbell when he was on 30 and he ended up getting 70. But his game management for me is why he's going to the next level. That's why he's getting to the, the, the uh, this greatest steered status. And Joe Root said it. We're not pundits coming on and saying greatest. The England captain has said, you know, he thinks he is in this greatest bracket. And I think he's right. Ben Stokes will be, I think, England's greatest ever player. He's a long way from that because he's, what, two-thirds of a way through his career. But at this moment in time, what has changed for me in the last 12 months, his ability to, to seize games at the game-winning stage. And that, for me, when it comes to a match winner, that's what makes him great. Sorry for interrupting you. Don't there. worry. What I was, was going to say, though, is how important is Joe Root in the rest of Ben Stokes' career, or at least um, whoever's captaining England? Because the, the, one, the one thing we would say was, and look, Ben did a great job when, when he filled in, and he's so wholehearted. We saw that when he went tearing off to the boundary, chasing off after his own bowling. But there are times when players need almost saving from this themselves. And I, you know what I'm thinking of. I'm mm. thinking of Andrew Flintoff bowling, what, 50-odd overs in a game against India when he was captain. Does Joe Root have to keep a really strong hand on, on Ben Stokes? Because th there's almost that thing at the moment, oh, England are in a hole. Don't worry, Stokes will do it. You, you can only go to the well so many times. And so does Joe Root have an important part to play to ensure that we don't flog Ben Stokes in pursuit of winning games for England? Of course he does, but so does the England selectors. And what I mean by that is this chopping and changing and giving people a rest and looking to get to the ashes in whenever the ashes are going to be because we don't know what's going to happen with, with where the world is. England just need to win the next match and then they win the next match and they win the next match. If they do that, the players will get confidence and the players will do that themselves. I think Joe Root manages Ben Stokes the right way. Goffey's got an issue and I think Goffey's, Goffey's got a point talking about it because I heard him on Drive talking about this and he said he under, under bowls Stokes and then over bowls him. And he does because Ben Stokes will not bowl for 45 overs and then bowl an 11-over spell. Ben mm. Stokes in this game, both, he bowled 27.4 overs, which is um, at a, out of 169, which is 84 from one end. So he bowled 27.4 overs from one end. I think he did it in three spells. Now, that has ramifications on the body. But when it, it comes to it, Joe Root is basically saying, well, I don't really want to bowl Ben Stokes unless I have to. And if I have to, he's going to go through everything to get me a wicket to make something happen. And the only time I'm going to go to him is when I need something to happen. So I agree what Goffey's saying. I think he, he, he probably does under bowl him and then bowls him in a long spell, which could cause him some harm. But on the other hand is he's trying not to bowl him to protect him because for the good of the team. And what will happen from that, if the good of the team gets more on a winning scale and a winning factor and everything's good, the less Ben Stokes bowls, the better it is for England because then he can concentrate on his batting and then just bowl that little match-winning spell on each innings, which he, or, or defining spell, sorry, not match-winning spell, defining spell of each innings that England need him.
Yeah, absolutely. Who'd be an international cricket captain? It is a difficult balancing act. Uh, it is uh, the Cricket Collective here on Talksport. We're going to discuss Stuart Broad and uh, his return to the side, of course. Well, he talked the talk going into it, but uh, going into the match, he certainly walked the walk. We'll be discussing that with uh, Harmin X. And maybe a couple of things that, that are still question marks or areas of concern going forward. This is Talksport 2. So I'm disappointed would be an understatement. You know, you get disappointed if you drop your phone and break your screen. I've been frustrated, angry, uh, gutted. I've probably bowled the best I've ever bowled in the last couple of years. Um, I felt like it was my shirt. And when I get that opportunity again, you can, you can bet that I'll be on the money. Yeah! Oh, that's out. Ball straight, right in front. Short Broad has been right on target since he got that new ball. Oh, it's given. He doesn't get the credit he deserves purely because Jimmy Anderson is under the head of him. But you've got to remember, Jimmy is four years older than him. Mm. He's come back mm. and performed brilliantly this game to take the six wickets. The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Steve Palmerson and myself, Andrew McKenna, in the chair, taking you through till 7 o'clock. And Stuart Broad, well, he was left out of Southampton. You just heard him there talking about how frustrated he was. Well, he uh, was back in the side for this game and he uh, made a statement with the ball. Uh, three for 66 it was in the uh, first innings, three for 42 in the uh, second innings. And Steve Harmison, we spoke about it last week, about how he, he came in and made those comments in that interview. When he had the chance to get back in the side, he had to therefore back it up with the numbers. And not only did he do it with the numbers, it was the way he did it. When England needed him, Stuart Broad was there once again. He was, yeah. And we said, Maka, we said last week, we talked about Stuart Broad has not gone on TV, made his mouth go and said, right, I hope I perform next week. We said that last week, he's going to turn up and perform. And he did. Six for 108. In the, in the test match, he bowled very, very well. Wokes went under the radar, 5 for 74 in the, in, in the test match as well. So I don't envy the, the England team, England management picking the team for the next, uh, the, the, the England management picking the, uh, the final 11 for the next, um, next test match. But Broad has to be in there. And why I, why I say that, I get fired up a lot. And I know Stuart does because I've, I've, I've done a bit with Stuart you know, uh, on many occasions about um, getting pigeonholed with Jimmy Anderson. Darren mm. Goff mentioned it there, four years between the two. The four years between the two is a lot said. Chris Wokes had a, a good test match this test match. He got he went past the 100 test wicket. He got his 100th test match wicket. Now, Jimmy Anderson is 38. And when Jimmy Anderson was 34, what Stuart Broad is at now, 34, Jimmy Anderson's got 130 test wickets between 34 and where he is now. So why can't Stuart Broad not p carry on and play? Why can't Stuart Broad carry on and perform in a way like Jimmy Anderson does? Why does it have to be Broad and Anderson going at the same time? The worry about Broad and Anderson can't bowl this and can't do that. A lot of times in England, uh, sorry, a lot of times about England, which fires me up, is when they talk about Broad and Anderson away from home, England don't get enough runs on flat pitches away from home. So then they get beat in a test match and they quickly jump on Broad and Anderson because they're getting on a bit. These are still our two best performers. And when it comes to next week, when you're picking a, a test match, the first two names on the team sheet have to be Broad and Anderson. I don't care who else you pick with a bowling unit, but Broad and Anderson have to be on because they're still our best two bowlers. Stuart Broad with his knees up, like he showed end of day four, on a, basically on a pitch which wasn't doing a great deal, um... Yes, the conditions were, were favourable. But with his knees up, when his team needed it, and he's supposed to be getting on a bit, he put in a, a spell of 14 balls of three for one. He knew exactly when to seize the moment, and he did it. And for me, that's why he has to play it, because he's a match winner. Well, absolutely. It does seem to be a thing of, of British sport, not just cricket, but uh, you know other sports as well. Um, the, the, the people are all too quick to tell you what people can't do, exactly. not what they can do. <laughs> we do seem to get a, exactly, a little yeah. bit lost at times with that. Um, you, you've thrown it forward. You've, you've mentioned um, the, uh, the, 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 the decider starting on Friday. 
Therefore, we have to kind of look at uh, maybe the negative side of things. Obviously, the Geoffrey Archer incident, and now, mm. of course, this time last week, here we were having a conversation. Well, why didn't they go by coach? We, we, were, we didn't realise at the time maybe how prophetic that question was yeah. uh, for a completely different reason. But we, we, Did we you see Geoffrey Archer leaving London and going <laughs> straight down to home, Mac? Because it was a question left field, and I thought, well, I wonder what he's asked that for. I wonder if he had seen Geoffrey Archer going down to home. But... There, well, there you go. I, I just happened to – it was one of those things that came into my head on uh, – Last Tuesday, when we were thinking about doing the show, and I suddenly thought, why aren't they getting the coach? It'll stop any potential problems. Anyway, that's completely by the by. So he was left out. Now, he was due to play in the first game at Old Trafford, and we know that England weren't willing to sort of shuffle things around. They said, no, Anderson is resting. Whatever. They had a plan in place. Mm. If Joffre Archer was due to play in match two but not play in match three... Do you stick to that plan? I've got a funny feeling I know which way you're going on this. because, mm. Or do you say, no, we've got to put our best bowling attack out for this game because there is a series to win? There's one or two ways to look at it. You've got the hierarchy could could have thrown him out. And I wouldn't have been surprised after what happened, what's happened with Alex Hills and the way Owen Morgan has sort of dismissed Alex Hills in a way that it's a, a, a trust thing. Joffrey Archer could have cost English cricket a hell of a lot of money. A hell of a lot of money. Let's not sugarcoat this. And I know there's people saying, you know, he's made a mistake. Yes, he has made a mistake. But he could have made a mistake that had ramifications which could have ended in costing the ECB and English cricket a lot, a lot of money if it had gone the other way. Now, it hasn't. How do you go from now is... I put him straight back in. For the simple fact is, I do not want any more time on this topic being exhausted by the media. If Joffrey Archer misses Friday, he then all of a sudden has to wait another two or three weeks before he plays another game of cricket, which this is hanging over the top of him. Is he going to play? Are ECB disciplining him? Are they trying to make him sweat? All this stuff that comes with it, the negativity that comes with that you don't need. I personally... I would have him in my team next week because I think at Southampton, he was just starting to get himself in a position as a fast bowler to really start feeling as though he was in a little bit of a groove. That's why I play him. I play him over Mark Wood for the simple fact is I think Mark Wood and Simon Jones are the only two bowlers I've ever known who can have six weeks off and run up and bowl the first ball at 90 mile an hour. So... I think from that point of view, I think Archer probably needs another game and it would be good for him to play and it would be good for English cricket just to get him back out there and he's back playing and doing what he does and try and get the negativity of what he could have possibly cost the, you know, the, the, the governing body. So I put Archer back in my team. I have Broad and Anderson with him and I give, reluctantly, I give Don Bess a little bit of a rest because I want to see Jack Leach have a bowl first and foremost, but I also want to see the left arm option take the ball away from the right-handed bat. The West Indies have got 10 right-handed batsmen uh, and John Campbell, who I've got Stuart Broad for at the top of the innings with a new ball. So that's what I would have as my bowling attack along with Ben Stokes. I was going to ask you about Bess. Um, were you a little disappointed? Um, because, I mean, uh, uh, how can I phrase this? I'm still not convinced that Roston Chase is an international class spinner mm. uh, and he got it to really go. And Don Best didn't as much. I mean, there were times that I did think he was bowling at the wrong end and would have been helped by a bit of bit of drift. But obviously the seams were taking all the wickets there, so he wasn't going to get that. But uh, a one for 60-odd and a, a two for 50-odd, uh, so what, three for 126 in the match. Roston Chase did five for 172 in 44 overs in the first innings alone. Yeah, Don Bess will be disappointed how he, he bowled, but it's, again, it's a bit like the... Um the Sibley one right at the top. It's still education for Don Bess. He's still a young man, 22, 23, trying to learn the game. When Don Bess releases the ball, he releases the ball with a bent front knee, a bentish front knee, and he's got a really sort of uh, small, he's small stature at the crease. Um, he's skiddy trajectory. He's flat trajectory. He doesn't really sort of throw it above the eye line, which someone like Graham Swan did. And, Let's remember, probably the best finger spinner we've ever had in Graham Swan. Graham Swan didn't play a test match until he was 28, largely down to the 
largely down to his gob, to be fair, because he, <laughs> yes. he upset so many people. It was ridiculous, Swanee. But he got 250 test wickets because he had 350, 400 first-class wickets before he got a test match. We have, we have a horrible wear in this country of picking players between 20 and 25 in all sports, not just in cricket. Discard them at 25 and they'll become better players when they're 26 and beyond. So I think as a spinner, I think sometimes you just have to give a little bit that they're still learning. And we're talking about a kid now, and I'm defending Don Bess here, talking about a kid here. Well, this time last year, I couldn't get a game for any first-class county. He wasn't in the Somerset side. He couldn't get a game in the... He went on loan to Yorkshire. And then all of a sudden... Within six months, he's in South Africa because Jack Leach is poorly. So, you know, give the kid some credit. He's trying his best. And I, the one thing about him I love about him is that for a fact. He's trying his best and he'll do anything for the team the way he throws himself around the field. So while he's doing that, I'll give him I'll give him a little bit of slack. But unfortunately for that, I'm I'm, I'm saying that, but I'm I'm, I'm going to play a Leach in the next test because I think Leach needs a bowl. I think spinners do need a bowl because there could could come a time in this country later on in the summer where we might have to play two spinners and if the calendar is what we perceive it to be come january we're definitely going to need two spinners when we get out to india yeah, hold that please level five thank you ah you must be one of our new interns yeah hi nice to meet you hi now the most important thing to know is to earn the bypass or rise plug sale the most important thing is what sorry the single most important thing is to work in the channelized Bingbingus at the Bypass or Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. To uh, hope where do you think you haven't been able to, to replicate your ODI form in, in test form? Anderson comes in on balls to Hope, and Hope is edging, and he's caught, taken by the keeper. That was an inside edge. It was a very, very good delivery there for Anderson, who's finally got to serve credit for good bowling. I've been getting out. <laughs> That's the simplest answer I can give you. It's the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Steve Harmison and myself, Andrew McKenna. Uh, having a look at the uh, second test, we'll come on to the third test uh, between England and the West Indies shortly. It starts on Friday, of course. Back-to-back games at uh, Old Trafford. Interesting that, uh, Steve, because, of course, we've had back-to-back games before, but not at the same venue. It's just going to be an interesting uh, kind of um, whole dynamic of the place. And also be interesting to see what kind of pitch we get, because, of course, the groundsman will have had, due to the five days of the previous match limited time in terms of what they can do what what i mean how would you approach this one yeah it's going to be interesting but it's like anything we've had so far Marco. everything's sort of unique it's unprecedented times in the world so we're going to have the same in cricket what i would think that pitch might have is a little bit more pierce in it and i think if it has a little bit more pierce in it it probably suit the batsman a little bit more um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the West Indies, whether they're deciders or they've got enough 
in their firepower to uh, replace or if Gabriel can come back. If Shannon Gabriel, if they can get Shannon Gabriel fit, then I, I'd play him again because I think this wicket might have a little bit more pacing and it would it would suit the big fella. But um, he looked as though he was cooked. Um, Alzari Joseph looked as though he's carrying an injury. So it's going to be interesting to see if if the West Indies go down the two-spinner route and bring um, bring in the big fella, Rakim Cornwell in um, and, and help Roston Chase because of it. it has got a little bit of bounce and it did look as though it's been dry for the last few days then it might turn day three day four day five yeah absolutely I mean you mentioned Big Shannon he did look absolutely goose didn't he <laughs> which which I mean it was an interesting wasn't it because they were unchanged for the game which by the way you completely understand going into it because they'd won down at Southampton but as it went on and went on then the longer it went you thought oh yeah maybe just maybe one change just for the sake of freshening something up might have been been the way to go but from a coach's point of view you completely understood what Phil Simmons and, and the the management were coming up with yeah Shannon's got nine for 137 down at Southampton having not been in the original 14 test man squad carrying an injury um, it probably it probably would have took a strong leader to say you know what we're going to leave you at this one and we're going to bring you back for the last one I think Big Shannon might have said because he's just got nine wickets feel as though he's got a few of the England batsmen under the skin he's he's like now skip let me go skip I want to have a go skip and then it's possibly backfired a little bit but the one thing about the big fella he never shirked his responsibility he kept on going whether he bowled the ball wide whether he bowled the ball short whether he bowled the ball full he kept running and banging the surface so you can't ask for any more than that as a captain um, and there's some as if England's got some decisions to make it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, the West Indies line up whether they go with one less seamer and uh, and bring the slow bowler into it. But if he does that, then all of a sudden, Jason Holder then has to bowl a little bit more. And he's already bowled quite a bit, and he's come in with an ankle injury as well. So it's, again, talked about unprecedented times and, and what's been happening. Um, I, can, I can, from past experience, when you haven't got a lot of cricket under your belt, you know, back-to-back games, whether it's championship games, first-class games at the start of the season in, in sort of April, May, when you've got three or four in a row, it is very, very difficult. So I've I've got a lot of sympathy for the big fast bowlers. Absolutely. Um, as we were just coming into this bit, we, we heard a bit of um, of Shea Hope talking. Um, it's fair to say that he is not having a particularly easy time of it. Uh, everyone remembers the incredible run chase at Headingley, what three years ago now. But since then, I mean, it's it's really not happened for him in a way that you'd probably say it's it's quite staggering really because we all thought this was going to be the moment that he kicked on but it just hasn't happened for him has it it hasn't no and i, I find myself you know, I've, I, I, you know me mac I, I try and find the good in a lot of people and don't want to be over critical but i think he has he has got undoubted talent ridiculous amount of talent and ability you don't get back to you don't get 100 knee chillings at Headingley if you've not got talent in a test match sorry so there's something not quite right I think Darren Bravo's killed him a little bit not coming over Darren Bravo and um, Hatemeyer didn't come over because of the coronavirus Darren Bravo would have batted three which would have give hope a chance to bat four and I think we are, we know ourselves English cricket fans know ourselves when our best batsman i.e. Joe Root went up to three and we, our, our openers were walking wickets. All of a sudden, our number three was vulnerable, and then number four was vulnerable because the new the new ball in England. Then all of a sudden, teams are twenty thirty for three, uh, twenty for two, 20, thirty for three. So, I think he's finding that out in Test matches, going up to number three. So, it'd be interesting to see if uh, if there is ear whether they do leave him out or B they maybe shield him a little bit and throw him down the order. I like Brooks. I think this Bro- I think young Brooks can play. We're saying young Brooks. He's was 30, 31. He's got some. Uh, he's got experience behind him. So maybe he's, he might go up to three in this this last Test match. I think he is a proper player. And like I said to John uh, John Norman yesterday on the um, on the following odd podcast, you put if if they had Hetemeyer and Blackwood at six and seven. 
they could bat they could bat twenty overs and get two hundred, or they could be out both um, consecutive balls caught on a boundary for six. It's just crackerjacks <laughs> waiting to happen. So it is the typical West Indies. This is what this is what you've got. But sheer hope definitely could possibly do with maybe he's moving down the order a little bit. Yeah, I've just, I've just been doing the numbers. Since that England series in 2017, uh, 436 runs in 10 test matches. Mm. Um, so th- th- that that's a fall-off. And I don't wish to be unkind to him. Um, two of those series were against Zimbabwe and Bangladesh. He's probably lucky that Hetamaya and Bravo aren't here because if they were here, he would probably find himself out the side. But have the West Indies got somebody in backup? to bring in to uh, to shield hope or to to replace them it's going to be obviously time will tell yeah, absolutely. Um, tell you what, we're, we're, we're going to speak to Barry Wilkinson in a few minutes' time, actually, on, on the West Indies. Um, so let's let's park that for a second and just look at a couple of other uh, bits of um, cricketing uh, around the world. Uh, Moeen Ali has been confirmed as the vice-captain for the uh, one-day games against Ireland. Now, of course, due to the... Um, um, uh, bubbles that they've had. Obviously, there, there weren't as many options as there might have been for Owen Morgan to name his vice-captain. But I think it's quite significant that it's mowing because England really want Mo back. And he's been such an important part of things and whatever. He's been through a rough trot. I think th- this, to, to use a phrase that um, uh, Joe Root used earlier when talking about Ben Stokes, uh, this pumps some air back into Moeen's tyres again. It does, and I and I'm pleased for the I'm pleased for the guy because he's a great kid, Moen. He's obviously somebody who I've known for a long, long time. He's the same age as my younger brother, who played in in the age groups alongside Moen and Liam Plunkett, my um, Mark Stoneman, and a few others. And I and I really want Moen Ali to to succeed. I really wanted Moen Ali in my first Test match squad. Me and you talked about it the other day. I think Rory Dollard said, you know, Bracey and Lawrence were the backup batsmen. England, because I was having a go at England's batsmen and being inexperienced. And they said, well, Lawrence and Bracey. So like, hold on, they've just let go. Besto, who's played 70 times, and Ali, who's played 60 times. So they had them in the unit. They just didn't didn't want to use them. So there's not much other option. Um, you can look at the the one-day squad as a whole. You could have gone Besto. You could have gone Roy. Um, Rashid's played a lot, but I love Adil, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't give him any, any responsibility other than to make the bus on time and make sure his shoes are on the right feet. Cause that's about as good as what you can get out of, of Adil Rashid. He's a great kid, but sometimes he's, uh, sometimes he's, uh, he's waiting for the bus when it's not, um, when it's, not, when it's not there, but I think it's a great choice. I think it's a great choice for England and, and Moen is, I want Moen back in my test team if I could get him because I think at number eight he's got five test matches, five test match hundreds, and he averages 35 at number eight. That's that's phenomenal. So hopefully that is just a first step in getting Moen reintegrated back into the whole England group. Um, some more thoughts on that in just a second, actually. I'm too excited. Um, we need to talk to Barry Wilkinson. So we're going to do it now because I'm delighted to say he is joining us uh, from the Caribbean. Barry, how are you, sir? Well, hello to you, hello to Steve and How are you, Barry? Of your guys. I'm doing really well. It's been a very hot day in Barbados. I don't know what the weather's like over there, but it's been really hot here today. Uh, it's not bad, actually, all things considered. Right then, um, the temperature, is that turning up on some of the West Indian players at the moment? Uh, we've just been talking about Shea Hope and John Campbell, particularly in the batting lineup, struggling, uh, and big Shannon Gabriel uh, looked pretty tired towards the end of it. What team would you imagine the West Indies putting out for the third test starting on Friday? Well, it's disappointing that there's this notion that you should never change a winning team, because I think even when you look at a team that plays and wins a test match, there's still some flaws. And I was very surprised that they played Shannon Gabriel because he, he was tired. He also had a, a bit of a niggle coming into England that he obviously worked hard to get into the squad, but it, it was definitely not healed. So I thought they would have should have you know, given him a rest in between tests and perhaps he would have been good for the third, but he's definitely not good for, for the, for the uh, third test now because he's played back-to-back test matches. So for sure, I think they're going to swap him. I suspect that Shamar Holder might get a play. He's a very exciting young quick bowler from the West from Barbados. And he, he played in the under-19 World Cup that would have won the World Cup in 2016. And uh, when you see him, I think you'll be, you'll be pretty impressed. He's tall, very thin, and he has some pace. 
Uh, Kimar Roach has also looked a bit jaded, in my opinion. I think even though uh, he got, uh, what, four wickets in the last test, I don't think he has been at his best. And it's probably a good idea to, to, to also give him a bit of a rest as well. Um, I, I have been told that Azari Joseph is, is fully fit. There were some thoughts about him having a bit of a niggle. But I spoke to the captain this morning and they said that he should be fine. That he is fine, I'll continue playing Azari. He, he will be my team every time. I really like him. I think he also has the ability to be somebody a bit of an all-rounder, actually. And uh, I must get room for Raheem Cornwall because I think Raheem's off-spin to bowl in the, the overs that perhaps you, you would have had Ross Chase bowl a bit too many overs in that last, uh, last test. Raheem can come in there and help him out on a pitch that I think will be more suited for off-spin or for-spin generally than pace. So that, those were my changes. I think you can drop John Campbell, his experiment started since uh, last year in the West Indies when he played for uh, the West Indies against England and he has not really come on since then so I think you can give him a rest I will be prepared to give Shea Hope one last test because I think he's much better than what we're seeing uh, even though he's out of form I think he's much better than that I think mentally he can come back so I think those were my changes I will perhaps give uh, Gabriel and Roach a bit of a break I'll bring in Cornwall and I might be tempted to drop John Campbell at the top and you mentioned there, you mentioned Shea Hope there, Barry. Is 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 the West Indies sort of light on batten because of no Hetemeyer and no Bra- uh, Bravo? I don't know if you heard me saying before. I think Darren Bravo's a massive miss batting at number three for the West Indies to protect Shea Hope. And if you are going to drop Campbell, who's going to go and open the batten? Well, there's a youngster by the name of Joshua De Silva. I don't know if you've seen him. He's on tour. He, he's not part of the 15-member squad, but he's part of that extended squad that came because of the coronavirus. There's also another opening batsman calling Kumar Bonner, who was actually picked in the 15 to open the batting. Now, technically, you should say, look, if Cameron is being dropped, bring in Bonner. But I'll tell you what, having seen how well Joshua has batted, having seen how well he batted for the West Indies on the 19th and the under-23 uh, this year, I would throw him in right away. I don't think there's no need to keep him any longer. He has real batting ability. He has temperament. And uh, I think when you watch him back, you'll see some, some signs of some old West Indian cricketers with some of the flair he has. I'll be tempted to go with him right away, even though he was not part of the original squad. Bonner has not really come on. Bonner has been around for the last decade. And he's finally had one good season in first-class cricket, and he got the opportunity to come to England. But I don't think that Bonner is as good a batsman as 22-year-old Joshua De Silva. De Silva will be my pick to, to partner Craig Bassett in that team on Friday. Barry, just finally, uh, there was an interesting... Um, I saw some quotes from Johnny Grave over the, uh, the weekend, of course, the man in charge of uh, West Indies cricket at the moment. And he was talking about the, um, the lockdown camp, effectively, that the players have been in in England for the last few weeks. And actually, how they wouldn't have necessarily tried this before, but do you know what? They might give it a go again to, to have a high-performance camp, probably in the, in the centre that's being put together in Antigua. And he was pointing out that with, effectively, the shutdown when the IPL happens in, in that normal window during the spring, it might actually be something that they, they have, a sort of a three-week camp all together where Phil Simmons and the rest of the coaches gets together and, and can actually do some really in-depth work with the players. So he said, we wouldn't have necessarily thought about it before, but maybe there is some good to come out of this COVID situation. Yeah, I'm sure there's some good that would have come out of that, but my first question to Johnny Gray would be, who is going to fund it? Uh, my my understanding is that the ECB accommodated uh, this extended squad. The truth is that the, the, the Cricket West Indies, have, they've got no money. They've just cut the player salaries by 50%. They're unlikely to play in their uh, Super 50 tournament, which is the 50-over tournament in October. That's unlikely to go ahead because of lack of funds. And they've cut the first-class season from 10 matches next year to five. So if you talk about uh, having an extended camp and these things, they're all good, but I, I would like to know who's going to fund that. Or if they have the money to, to even facilitate such. Uh, if they do, it will be a fantastic idea, and I think it would work wonders. Although um, I'm a kind of against traveling to, to places like England and not playing against teams uh, of, the, of, of, of English um, descent. In other words, if I come to England, let me get in some county matches. I don't think I should be playing against um, the same people that I would have played against uh, all year. Um, the conditions you're going to play are going to be different and you should really get a bounce off of those uh, oppositions. So 
I'm not too sure I'm for that if you're going to be traveling with so many people all the time. If there's a cap showing in Antigua at the new center, fine. But um, I'm not sure how well this whole thing about playing against each other would have gone down prior to this tour. It's a new experiment. I think, I think they say they went well, but I'm really not for that particular. I prefer to play some games against county cricketers. Barry, thanks for your time as always. Barry Wilkinson, the West Indian uh, cricket commentator and all-round good man and legend, joining us here on the uh, Cricket Collective. Steve Harmison, Double Ashes winner. Myself, Andrew McKenna. And coming up, we'll bring you uh, all of the rest of the cricketing news here on TalkSport 2. Moen Ali is looking... Oh, big appeal for leg before we get up, goes the finger! For a bit for, uh... oh, oh, yeah, yeah, well done, Moen Ali! Brilliant! Quicker, flatter, straighter! Well, Moen bowls now... Straight to extra cover it goes. And uh, Moen has his man and adds another wicket to that tally. It's the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. He's Steve Harmison, I'm Andrew McKenna. We're with you through till 7 o'clock. And that's Moen Ali in action. Not only is he uh, going to be the vice-captain for the one-day games against Ireland, he's also had a pretty decent day's work because um, England have had an inter-squad game to warm them up for the uh, white ball games. And Team Moen beat Team Morgan. Team, Moet, uh, Team Moen posted 325 for 9. Johnny Bairstow made 127 from 88 balls. Moen himself, 85 from 45 balls. Uh, Team Morgan were bowled out for 225 to uh, lose by 100 runs in that. It, there, there were a couple of um, strange quirks in that game. Uh, Tom Banton actually batted for both sides. And I've just realised that sounds like some terrible euphemism, but it isn't. He did actually pad up for uh, both <laughs> innings. And uh, Paul Collingwood even made a guest appearance in the field. Oh, Peter you... Pan. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. He's desperate to get back out there, oh, isn't he? Benjamin he Button, cannot give getting... it up. Unbelievable, isn't it? No, it's... but it's great. I think it's, I think it's good. I know Barry was trying to say he wasn't... he wasn't a fan of it. I think this is the way forward for me. I think when England go away on abroad, especially when they play over a three-man series, they go over with a big squad, i.e. they can play inter-team inter, uh, inter games on a, on a field anywhere because there's you know, glorious pitches all over the world, wherever they go in the world. But they can also play against the uh, other opposition as well. So for me, I'm all for it. It's great to see Moen back in in the runs. It's great to see Johnny Besto back in the runs because you know what? Stuart Broad, we mentioned Marco last week, Stuart Broad goes to Old Trafford and he says, I'm going to perform. I think Johnny Besto, character-wise, I think he's the one that would be, well, I'll say me peace and I hope I perform. And I'm pleased he has got some runs under his belt because he's got to be knocking on that door for the wiggy-keeping batsman in the test matches. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not such good news for the white ball setup, though. Uh, Matt Parkinson's yeah. been ruled out. He sprained his left ankle in a fielding session yesterday. Scans have revealed he's not going to be able to take any part in the series. He will leave the biosecure bubble uh, today. So England are, are a spinning option down on that. Um, Harmi, just while we've got a moment here, something else to touch on. Um, the IPL this year is going to be played in the UAE. Um, the IPL governing... Uh, uh, chairman uh, Brijesh Patel has confirmed that to Crick Info today. Now he said that a formal announcement will be made after they meet next, which is apparently going to be next week. But my question is, where does this leave the India versus England white ball games? Now, yesterday the World T20 got called off. That's going to be played next year. The talk is the IPL will be the 26th of September to the 7th of November. Now, India and England are supposed to be playing three ODIs and three 320s at the end of September and the start of October. You can't play IPL games without the Stars and you can't play Indian internationals without the Stars. So if the IPL is happening in that slot, you have to assume, therefore, that the England games are not going ahead. Yeah, I think the India, England, India will go ahead in January. I think the whole thing will be in January. I don't. I I can see Maka. We had Talksport two. We've got England v India, and we had South Africa, and, I, and it wouldn't surprise me if if we go down that route, the same similar sort of format, where we play four Test matches, three twenty twenty three one day international, straight off each other, back to back in January, and it gets it in. It's so important the IPL. It is so important for the world game. It keeps players happy. It keeps the money coming in. It keeps the sponsors 
of the of the global game. As much as we might want to say we invented the game, I think the the financial the financial clout is in India, um, and I think it is important that that tournament, the IPL tournament, does go ahead. So it's right to move the 2020 World Cup back, and I think it's right to put England England's white ball format into the end of or before the uh, the red ball format in January. So a little bit more time in in India condensed condensed down but I think the way the world is at this moment in time I think you have to protect the big games or the big tournaments which make the most money to keep the game flowing and that's why that's why you know we could, I'll go back to the Jofra Archer thing that's why it was so disappointing what happened because of what it could cost it's so important that we keep this this great game of ours flowing yeah, absolutely. Interesting, though, that the IPL will be in the UAE instead. So mm. we'll keep our eye on that one uh, going forward. Harmi, thank you very much for this evening once again. Been an absolute blast uh, going through things. And, of course, the Cricket Collective uh, back on uh, TalkSport 2 next week. Um, Steve Harmison, Double Ashes winner. Myself, Andrew McKenna, presenting this week. If you missed any of the show or you want to catch it again, you can download the podcast from the following on feed. It's available on the Apple Podcast. Acast and Spotify. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll be back to do it all again next week. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to work in the Channelized Bingbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Selling a little? Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.